Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend, Chapter 23. Maeve found she had started to enjoy smiling. She had very few reasons to smile back in her own time. True, her wedding day had been a time to celebrate, but then marriage was more a trading of goods for males, as opposed to something both parties entered into. Not as it was these days, both parties entering into the marriage as equals who chose their partner. There had been cause to smile when a lie had gotten naked on their wedding night. A very satisfied smile, it had to be said. But then afterwards, the king had focused only on battles and fights. So Maeve's smile rarely returned. Now though, in this future Ireland, a smile had returned to her face. A genuine smile. One that indicated her desire to hurt and kill people was being replaced with a sense of happiness. Not that this enjoyable feeling meant the need for killing was gone. Of course not. Cahill would have to be buried in a shallow grave preferably within the next hour or so, to ensure the smile remained on her face. Either that, or he had to not bother showing up. The man had options and Maeve really did not care which one he picked. Although if his scrawny backside did appear in the next hour, there would be no mercy given. Such a rude act would darken her mood until Cahill was dead. Danny and his men were all sitting on the ground twirling their swords around their heads and making a lot of sounds that the crone had explained were pirate expressions. Noel and Trug were, thankfully, acting a bit more professional and had started to sharpen their blades. Lauren had gotten the two men to bring her cauldron along in the car with them, setting it up beneath a tree. She had brought her wooden stool and was sitting down stirring the dreadful goop. Not even the sight of the old hag could darken Maeve's current mood, though. Victory was within her grasp ultimate power to be used as she saw fit. It was going to be glorious. Just give us twenty minutes! Somebody shouted from the forest on the right. Maeve slowly turned and scanned along the tree line to see if the speaker was visible. Noll, she said. The short man stepped forward, lowering his sword to the ground. Yes, my lady. It would appear that our idiot has shown up. Start counting. If that Cullen person is not in this field before the hour, I want to know. Noll pulled up his sleeve and pressed a button on his watch. Maeve could feel her smile starting to fade. Making a fire had taken no time at all. Filthy Henry simply gathered up some dry wooden leaves, pointed his finger at a stick, said something in bad Irish, and flames had magically appeared. Cockle had to admit he was very jealous of what the fairy detective was able to do. Magic, it seemed, was no longer the stuff of shoddy fantasy books sold in airports. People could be walking right past you on the street, full to the brim with magic, and keeping it all for themselves. Cahill could think of a dozen different ways he would benefit by using magic to improve his life. Even raise up his standing in the world. After all, if you could make money appear out of thin air, then it really left very little else to be concerned about. Twelve-year-old whiskey could be pumped directly into your house pouring out of a third tap in every bathroom. It would be bliss. Where the hell is he? Filthy Henry said, looking back through the forest in the direction of the house. 
Shelley had taken up a position a little bit in from the edge of the field, hiding slightly behind a large tree trunk. As night had fallen, it had been increasingly harder to see anything out in the field properly. Moonrise had changed all that, casting an eerie white light over the area. She kept staring down at the furthest end of the field. The silent treatment she was giving Filthy Henry still remained in full effect. Since they had all gathered in the area, less than five words had been exchanged, and three of those, from Shelley, had been curse words. Looks like she has a few men, Shelley said, looking directly at Cahill. Her stare was so intense that Cahill could tell what Shelley was doing. She was saying it so that Filthy Henry could hear the words, but speak directly to him, thereby maintaining the zone of silence. It was an impressive feat to behold. Are they ready? The fairy detective asked, oblivious to Shelley's subtle snub. Well, it's hard to tell, Cahill, Shelley said, turning back to look down the field. But it's definitely more than two. Some twigs snapping to their left caused everyone to turn, just as Drew the Druid appeared. He held a saucepan from Cahill's house in one hand, a bottle of water inside it, and in the other hand was the silver hurley stick. Both the saucepan and bottle of water were brought over and handed to Filthy Henry. No offence, but you need to start running more, the fairy detective said as he took the two objects from Drew. What's this? The least rusty saucepan in the place? I found that dragon leaf, by the way. No thanks to you. Drew looked very confused by this statement, then walked over and stood beside Shelley. He kept the hurdy stick away from her, resting it against his leg. Filthy Henry poured the water into the saucepan, then pulled some leaves out of his pocket and broke them up into small bits. These were then sprinkled into the clear liquid. He placed the saucepan over the fire, positioning it so that three stones held it just above the flames. What's that? Carl asked. That is an ancient potion that endows the drinker with speed and strength for four hours, which means it'll make you nice and fast when you get out there. They'll help you run back in here and lead the challenger on a merry goose chase through the traps. Plus, since it is being made from natural stuff and not my magic, we aren't going to get given out to by anyone for cheating. The druid leaned back towards the campfire and sniffed. I've never heard of a potion like that. That's an interesting one. You must tell me more about it sometime. It'd be a handy thing to know. Sure thing, buddy, the fairy detective said through gritted teeth. He walked over to the druid and seemed to trip on a root, bumping his left shoulder into Drew's back. Watch it, Drew said. It was hard to imagine a worse team of people to help prepare somebody to save the world. They either acted like children, constantly bickering, or spent most of the time insulting each other. Carl reached over and took the silver hurdy stick from Drew. So, how come we've to start this tonight? I thought we'd at least have one more day. Shelley nodded her head in agreement. Whoever came earlier said something about the calendar being different now, whatever the hell that means. Ah, damn it. That was something of an oversight on my part, Filthy Henry said. Drew smiled. You made a mistake? Filthy Henry glared at the druid. Not exactly. But in 1582, the calendar changed from the Julian one to the Gregorian one we use today. I think something like 31 days were removed with the shift. Meaning that we're all working towards a day that happened in a system with a lot more days in it. Cahill frowned. You're not telling me these Celts used this Julian calendar, are you? Filthy Henry shook his head. No, but the story would have taken place on a different day than we figured. Because we were working off a modern calendar, 
and some old legends written by proper druids. Unlike Drew over there. Again, this is why I hate prophecies and the like. They never go this badly in the stories. Everyone knows who and what they should be doing at the right time. Nobody spoke for a few minutes. Shelley, now joined by Drew, continued staring at the people assembled at the other end of the field. While Filthy Henry just stared into the flames as the potion bubbled and boiled. So what's the plan? Cahill asked, able to take the silence no longer. Filthy Henry checked the time on his watch, glanced back at the saucepan over the fire, then turned to stare towards what Cahill had started to mentally call the bad guys. That stuff there should be brewed in another five minutes. You drink that, step out into the field, declare combat has started, and then we're covered. Once the first guy is close enough, you run for your life back here, and we use the traps to take him out of action. You think that'll work? Cahill said, hefting the hurdy stick in his right hand. Ah, of course it will. It's basically foolproof. Well, a fool came up with it at least, Shelley said aloud. Filthy Henry ignored her. All we have to do is take out seven fellas, one by one, who are spoiling for a fight. It doesn't say how, just that we do it. Simple, right? They stood in silence for the next five minutes, all staring down at the assembled men Maeve was using. From this distance, it was hard to tell what they looked like, or how they were built. Every so often there was some gruff laughter that could be heard all the way down the field. As the water in the saucepan continued to boil, Cahill could feel his nerves getting the better of him. He tightened his grip on the hurley stick and walked over to the strange brew. Is it ready yet? Cahill said, eager to just get this crazy show started. Filthy Henry came over and lifted the saucepan off the fire. He brought it up to his nose and sniffed a few times, keeping his eyes on Cahill. When he was seemingly happy with the smell, the fairy detective handed the saucepan to Cahill. It's hot, but drink all the juice. Don't worry about eating the leaves. Also, it's not going to taste nice, but that just means it's like medicine, doing the job. The contents of the saucepan smelled like wet compost. They barely tasted any better than compost either, a fact that Cahill was sad to admit he knew for certain. All the memories of a misspent youth and a complete lack of understanding when it came to the fermenting process flooded back as he took a small sip of the brew. Ugh, it's horrible. You really expect me to drink all of this, he said. Filthy Henry nodded. Yep, the whole thing. Except the leaves. Very important you don't take them into your system. It would, uh, limit the strength of the effect. Now, down that bad boy and step out into the field. At least if you're out there, we've played by the rules. Being the good guy sucks. Cahill nodded and continued to sip at the magical tea. They all stared down at the other group in silence. Nerves had started to get rattled, and Cahill was not entirely sure if a potion made by a grumpy ginger would settle them. This was one of those defining moments for a man, the sort of thing that legends were made from. He ran over the plan in his head. At face value it was simple, so simple that it could hardly fail. There would be some waving of weapons, followed by a hasty retreat into the cover of the forest. Traps would be triggered, and Cahill would live to fight another day. Rinse and repeat six times, saving the world from some sort of crazy queen who had time-travelled and wanted ultimate magical power. There was so little that could possibly go wrong, it made Cahill wonder what he could actually be nervous about. With a final sip, he finished the magical tea and placed the saucepan down on the ground at his feet. Filthy Henry placed a hand on both of Cahill's shoulders and looked him directly in the eye. 
You've got this, the fairy detective said. Whatever else, you have got this. This is literally what you were born to do. No, it isn't, Cahill said. It's literally what my kid brother was born to do. I'm just the best you have for right now. Ah, there is that. But then there is the meaning of your name as well. Every male in your entire family is meant to go by their middle name. And yet you use your first one. There's a reason for that. It isn't chance that you decided to do that. So fate has to have had a hand in it somehow. You know what Cahill means, right? He shook his head. Looking up the meaning of words used in conversation was generally boring enough. Looking up the meaning of your own name just sounded pointless. It means battle mighty, Filthy Henry said. Come on, how much more of a sign do you really need to show you're up to this task? You decided, over everyone else in your family, going back generations, to go with a name that awesome. Cahill shrugged and started to tap the flat head of the hurdy stick against his left leg. I don't feel all that awesome, he said. More like a character in the original story that helped Ku Cullen out. You know, the role I'm clearly filling at the moment. Ulton also has Battle Mighty as his first name, don't forget. If anything, wouldn't that be a clear sign he is definitely the Cullen boy you need, instead of me? Filthy Henry smiled, patting Cahill on the shoulder in an oddly friendly manner. You're my accidental legend, he said. Just get out there, lure them into the forest, we'll do the rest. Remember, you have one thing that Ku Cullen didn't have. What's that? Drew asked curiously. He's going to say me, Cahill said. The fairy detective let go of Cahill's shoulders and took a step back. What if everyone isn't a bloody wise guy? Get out there already and don't break a leg. Cahill took a firm grip of the silver hurdy stick, drew in a deep breath and marched forward towards the field, out towards his destiny. No, like seriously, don't break a leg, Filthy Henry shouted after him. It'll make running extremely difficult. Noll could see the silhouette of a man stepping out from the tree line and walking across the field to a small hill. Whoever it was walked to the top of the hill, stopped and raised his arm into the air. They shouted what could have been called a war cry if the cry was being made by somebody who was as old as the trees and in possession of a throat filled with dust. The short man turned around and waved at Maeve. My lady, he's arrived. The queen opened the car door and stepped out from the passenger seat. She walked over and stood beside Noel. Well, isn't he full of disappointment? Everyone drink up, she said. Lauren's made something very special for you all. The crone stopped stirring her bubbling goop in the cauldron and reached down to the battered, tatty brown cloth bag at her feet. She lifted several chipped cups out and started to fill each one with stuff from the cauldron. Danny and his cohort sniffed the air close to the cauldron, then all stood up from the ground and walked over. As each one came near, Lauren handed them a cup. Noll grimaced as each man, without question, downed the drinks and walked away. He caught Maeve looking at him. Why are they drinking that god-awful stuff? The crone has been cooking that dreadful concoction for the past 2,000 years, Maeve said. She believes that with it in their systems, they'll be able to cross the spell's thresholds and enter the field for combat. Same rule as with the swords, apparently. I had suggested pouring the gunk over some modern weapons, but the crone doesn't believe it would work the same way. However, if it is inside their stomachs, it should do the trick. 
You both should be all right as you are spirits from the original battle. Trug stepped up with two swords in his hands and offered one to Noel. Fun's about to start, the tall man said. Maeve whistled and turned around and looked at Danny's men. Each of them had drank the crone's concoction, grimaced at the taste and flung their empty cups to the ground. Out there on that hill is the man I want you all to beat, mash and smash into a pulp. The less of him there is to bury later, the better as far as I'm concerned. Only one rule. We don't really do fights that have rules, dearie, Danny said, holding up his sword and kissing the blade lightly. It ruins all the fun. The queen held up her right index finger in the air. It's a simple one, Danny. Wouldn't want to tax you too much mentally. All you boys have to remember out there is that only one of you can be hitting, stabbing or mutilating that waste of space at a time. How are we supposed to manage that then? Danny asked. We can form an orderly queue and take turns, Noel said, taking his sword from True. This answer seemed to satisfy Danny. He looked over his shoulder, nodded to his men, and they all started walking forwards. Noel could have sworn that at a certain spot, the air seemed to ripple around the men, like a stone dropped into a pond. He saw Maeve watching them intensely, turning to the crone and nodding as the last man had stepped through the ripple. Were you expecting that not to work? Noel asked, deciding not to think too much about the air ripples. Lauren had a theory that the men might vanish from existence, she said, hence making them drink her gunk. Glad it worked, although I sort of expected their clothes to disappear, since they're from this time. I believe the spell has some sense of decency when it comes to making men fight naked, the crone said, from her seat by the cauldron, sounding slightly disappointed. Ah well, you can't cast them all, I guess. Maeve nodded, obviously displeased with the lack of male nudity as well. She motioned for Noll and Trude to move forward. Right, off you go, make it quick and don't fail me. It was the least inspiring talk Noll had ever received before heading into battle. He gave Trug a nudge in the ribs and followed Danny's men. Filthy Henry, Shelley and Drew moved along the tree line so that they could see Cahill unhindered. The only problem with their new vantage point was the lack of large trees which they could hide behind. If any of Maeve's men saw them, then the whole run through the forest trick wouldn't work at all. Did the air ripple when he entered the field? Shelley asked, looking at Drew. Yep, Filthy Henry answered. The spell's kicking in. He crossed the threshold. If it's really powerful magic, everyone can see the effects, regardless of whether or not they have fairy vision. These sort of things generally count as super powerful magic. Drew, have you got any sand? Sand? Uh, sure. I have my little pouch of coloured sand that I use when doing a spirit reading. Why? Filthy Henry held out his hand and snapped his fingers twice. Fork it over. I need it for a spell. Drew groaned and reached into the pouch of his hoodie, fumbling around for a couple of seconds before tugging free a small, clear Ziploc sandwich bag filled with sand. He dropped it onto the fairy detective's open palm. A sandwich bag? Shelley asked, looking at the sandbag. What's wrong with the sandwich bag? Drew asked. Well, it isn't very mystic, she said. Well, who said it has to be mystic looking? It just needs to hold sand, which it does. Filthy Henry opened the bag and shook the contents a little. 
She's got a point, Drew. If you're going to be a druid, the least you could do is invest in some mystic-looking bags. Give the people what they want. Nobody asked you, Shelley said. The fairy detective didn't bother to reply. He walked over to the nearest tree and started to walk in a line between it and another tree, sprinkling sand on the ground as he went. This line ran parallel to the field and was about eight foot long. When he reached the second tree, Filthy Henry walked around it and marked out another line to a third tree, this one running back into the forest perpendicular to the first. Once all the sand had been spilled, he rolled up the bag and stuffed it into his pocket, then admired his work. Kneeling down at the base of the last tree, Filthy Henry placed one hand on the sand line and another on the trunk. Scahon dove, Filthy Henry said, feeling the small pulse of magic flowing into each hand. A purple light spread out from the fairy detective's hand running along the sand like a fuse. It ran over all the sand in ten seconds. When the first tree was reached, there was an audible popping sound and the air between the trees started to shimmer with dark smoke. What's that? Drew asked. Think of it like looping a security feed, like in the movies, Filthy Henry said, gesturing for Shelley and Drew to step closer to the sand lines, so that they were between the two trees. Anyone on that side of the spell will just see an empty forest. But Cottle and that lot can run through it no problem. From a brief flash of light, the Mariah appeared, stepping forward to stand beside Shelley. Here, what are you doing here? Filthy Henry asked. It is our job to witness, the Mariah said, to ensure that both sides play by the rules. We are here to observe, nothing more. Also, we just put the idea into Alice's head that Cahill is a worthy man for her affections. It actually required very little work on our part. She is already in love with him. It's starting, Drew said, tapping Filthy Henry on the shoulder and pointing down towards the other camp. The fairy detective looked and swore immediately. He could see not one man entering the field but seven, each carrying swords. Dag to be damned, Filthy Henry said, turning back to stare at Mariah. She's playing by the rules. So? Shelley asked, looking at the Mirai. The fairy creature was returning Filthy Henry's stare. She nodded her head once, answering some unasked question between them. She's playing by the rules the same way I do, Filthy Henry said. She sent all seven guys in one go. Maeve's figured out how to let them all be involved in single combat. Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend, is a novel by Derek Power. More Filthy Henry novels are available to buy on Amazon Kindle. Narration and music by Niall Milton. To keep up to date with episodes this season, why not subscribe or like or share? We'd really appreciate it.